2: Hey, Church Planner. This is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones, author of Reaching the Unreached. ching <laughs> You know, I, I listen to podcasts sometimes. I do. And uh, these other guys, they'll mention their book. And I'm like, man, I should do that every once in a while. I mention my book. I don't, I, you know, I don't have any good books to mention. Hey, where are you at in the old uh, reaching the unreached cha-ching, becoming Raiders of the Lost, cha-ching, art, (laughs) cha-ching?
1: I'm waiting for the audible version to finish it. (laughs) Yeah. I think think I'm still on the same chapter. Whatever last
2: chapter we talked about, that's probably where I am. Man, time for you to go to islands, my friend. No, no. (laughs) So, okay, what if I told you you're in it? Yeah, I'm not. Hey, aren't we supposed to not do this podcast in the afternoon? No, we're not. We're not supposed
1: to. And here we are, yet again, doing it in the afternoon. I offered a morning slot. You I offered did. the morning slot at the time you were offering it. <laughs> it was, was like 1101 and the text comes in, hey, I got 11 to 12. How about you? I'm like, dude, Seriously?
2: That was like the other week when I go, hey, man, when you want to do the podcast, you go now. <laughs> so, hey, guys, welcome to the portion we call Smack Talk. Hey, where's uh, where's our, what's his name? Hulk Hogan? We still got him. Oh, man. I haven't pulled up that soundbite in a while. I- it's history. And well, let me tell you about the, the part we call Smack Talk. I don't know where he's
1: at. Where is he? Oh, wait, there he is. He's number one. Well, let me tell you something, brother.
0: Now that it's that part of the show where we talk smack, what you gonna do when the Church Planner Podcast runs wild on you?
1: That's
2: what we're gonna do. I had to mention it because I was with Barry Walters, Patty Walters, this week, and he he's still here. He's still in America for, for a time. And uh, he was like, dude, how come you don't play this sound clip and that sound clip? So that was for you, Barry. That's awesome. Dedicated to Melissa, I'm so glad to be married to you. You are the light of my life. That's going out to you today, Melissa, on behalf of Barry. We're taking other requests right now as well. Just call. What's your number again, Pete? I don't know. So, hey, guys. so Okay, so smack talk. Um, Pete's already warned me. He didn't really have a lot of smack talk this week, which I have yet to see the day Pete doesn't have (laughs) smack In fact, that was another thing Barry brought up. He said, you know, Pete says he doesn't have smack talk. And then he has a ton of smack talk. So I'm just priming the pump to get Petey going here. So anyways, I'm watching this rad show right now, which I also happen to be reading the book. There's this, this show on TV called The Terror. Have you seen this thing? I saw
1: a commercial for it, and then um, one of my shows like recorded the first hour of it, and I couldn't make it more than five minutes in before I was bored and turned it off. Really?
2: Yeah. Wow. Oh. See, I really like it. I'm, I'm kind of like, okay, so it used to be that all week, like the week would go by, and I don't have TV, so I would wait. I, I couldn't watch Walking Dead on Sunday nights. I had to wait until Monday to watch it. So Monday night, Andrea would come in, and she usually goes out riding on Monday. writing, not riding, like riding motorcycles. Like, writing, like books. And she would come in, and she'd be like, hey, let's get some tea. The kids would be down. we watch Walking Dead. And that was like a warm, fuzzy feeling for me, right? Like, I liked watching The Walking Dead. And Pete and I, in fact, funny enough, Pete, I just found that Terminus map. The other day that uh, yeah. I'm redoing my office here and it is going up on the wall nice. on the outside of my door. Nice. I want the outside of my door to be the terminus map. How cool oh. is that? I like it. I like it. When are you going to get to move back in? Uh, probably a month from now. I still have no walls on my house. So the electrician came, the plumber's done. So I think today they finish uh, doing, I, I think, the wrap like has windows and doors and stuff. So I think they're starting now. That's awesome, man. So anyways, you know, basically so I've been watching this thing called The Terror and I'm telling you, man, it is rad. And then I'm reading the book. And I have not uh, I'm not reading. it. I'm listening to it because you kind of got me into Audible. It was it was you. It's your fault. You're like, "Oh, I'm listening. I'm thinking, man, I could like totally double my reading capacity." Except for a book like this, you don't want to listen to it. When you're distracted, sometimes I'll listen to Audible books when I'm doing yard work or chores or whatever. This book, dude, I I can't even tell you. It's by a guy named Brad Simmons. I can't even tell you how much pleasure I'm having just listening. And it kind of made me think that, you know, up until the invention of the radio, oral storytelling has been a major part of the human experience for thousands of years. And I feel like I'm tapping into this, like kind of cool primeval. Um, when someone tells a story well, there's just, there's kind of almost nothing better. Like I would rather right now sit, lay down somewhere, put my headphones in and just listen to this thing. It is so fun to listen to. It's just masterfully written. And, uh, and the show is rad, but you didn't like it. Not the first five minutes of it. Yeah. Well, so the first five minutes, it's where they're talking to the, the Eskimos? I honestly don't even remember. I've already put it out of my head. So basically, for those of you that don't know, it's about uh, the British Navy sent out an expedition, kind of like Shackleton's voyage to discover the Southwest Passage through the Antarctic. Um, they, they were looking for the Arctic Passage. They wanted to get to North America, but they didn't want to go south and sail around the continent of Africa. So... What they decided was you know they would um, find this Northwest Passage, save a lot of money and travel expenses, but it was very dangerous, so they had to time it during the year and so they thought this would revolutionize our shipping trade and uh in real life, these two ships that were the most industrial um kitted out ships ever in the history of the world at that time these two ships totally disappeared, and these were like experienced guys, that, you know all the crew. They they had been on dangerous voyages. They were tough. They had navigated through survival and extreme circumstances. Lost ships had to live on the ice, and the ships disappeared. And um, so the show is kind of historic fiction, but it breaks from from the point at which the ships go missing. The story and the show tells a story from the perspective of hey, we'll tell you what happened. To you know, uh, you know, after history disappears, let us tell you what actually happened. So the story picks up with what actually killed them off. And so they're being kind of hunted, really, by something out there. And it's it's Ridley Scott, which should give you pause, because that's a guy that invented Alien and uh, brought us the Alien series. And it is kind of like um, The Thing but not, you know, that same premise or anything. But it's, it's kind of that same feel, but in the 1800s. And it's just unbelievably cool. Cool. I dig it, man. So if you got nothing else out of this podcast, you, you got that you should watch The Terror. And The Terror is the name of one of the two ships. The Erebus is the other. But they start calling whatever is stalking them The Terror. And that's uh, pretty cool.
1: Yeah, I saw, um, what do you call it? Uh, sorry, phone call coming in. I saw A Quiet Place over the weekend.
2: That sounds like a chick flick.
1: Oh, you haven't seen the commercials for it? Oh. No. I'm not even going to go there. Oh, that's the horror one, right? Well, they claim it's a horror movie. I don't know. I I thought it was going to be stupid going into it. It was stupid. And it was. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. I was like so, I
1: don't understand why it's got like an 87% approval like everyone loves this movie. It's one guy on Facebook that I know he's like it's the best movie I've seen this year. I guess he hasn't <laughs> seen many movies cuz I'm like okay I like didn't want to see it cuz I thought it was going to be stupid and like a half hour in I'm like should I get up and walk out? Like I don't care about their lives. I just I don't. <laughs> right. So and by the time it finally got good, I was like, yeah, but I don't care. I don't, yeah. I don't,
2: I don't care about the characters. They can all die. Fine. Bye. You know, it's funny because um, there's there hasn't been. I mean, I still haven't seen Ready Player One. It hasn't really been a good night for me to head to the theater, and there's so many I want, I want to see Black Panther. I haven't seen that; it's still playing. I didn't think Black Panther was that good either. Everyone's like, "Oh, I it's heard so that. great!"
1: I'm like, what? "Whatever. It's just okay, okay." But but I got
2: this kind of theory about young people in movies right now. I think the standard has kind of dropped. I think now we're in a different kind of movie making. I don't think plot and characters and all that really do the same thing that they used to do. Um, we, we grew up in a time where even if you go back like to the, the old black and white films, things like Casablanca, where you had these master, you, you could watch an old, pick almost any James Stewart movie. The dialogue is going to be rad because it came out of a time of radio. But when you get to the eighties, the dialogue isn't that great. In fact, you start seeing where people are putting the action in stuff that they, so each, each, generation has something that they bring in but they also sacrifice something and i don't think you always realize like we grew up in the 80s where like special effects were rad you had jim henson you had lucas you had people innovating special effects well now you have cgi and i think what's been lost through cgi is it's now the big spectacle but it's less on the dialogue and plot in character you know yeah it could
1: be i mean when I saw Ready Player One, he, uh, the book, everyone always says that the book is better. Well, the book has to be better. I mean, the it just is rad in, in you and I talked about this before. It's like you can't <coughs> you can't recreate a lot of that stuff in a movie because it's like playing a Pac-Man game. Like, how's that exciting on screen? Uh, it's not going to be exciting for me to watch you play Pac-Man. It's not going to be exciting for me to watch you play Joust. So obviously they had to to make changes. They made a lot of changes. And a lot of the characters they had to change because that movie had to have been a licensing nightmare. Right? Because he's like talking about the DeLorean from Back to the Future and every creature you can imagine, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I mean, anyone you want, like every character from our childhood was in the movie. Well, it was in the book, I should say, and not in the movie. Like they, like some of them, I was just going, oh, that they probably couldn't get the license to that. And they changed it. And, um, and that's what they did for a lot of that movies. They just kept, you know, changing stuff up. I mean, one of the, one of the main characters in the book dies, doesn't die in the movie. I was kind of like, eh, you know, that's kind of an important thing. They didn't kill him. Right. So, I
2: don't know. I mean, it was a good movie, but I didn't find it great. Yeah, you know, I'm kind of worried about that because I've seen the trailer, and I know the book, and I it goes right back to what I'm talking about, and that is it seemed more spectacle to me than actual story. Like, the story is gripping and intriguing, and, of course, it's got a lot of the Dungeons and Dragons like, – that's a nerd hobby. Like, you can't make Dungeons & Dragons super exciting, and yet the book does, you know? and But you can't have Dungeons & Dragons. Well, you could. You could actually have everything that was in the book and make a good movie off of it. But Hollywood now feels, well, you know, a big blockbuster. People need Michael Bay's explosions. It was kind of like I, I posted. I don't know if you saw it. Um, we posted it years ago, and I, I reposted it from a memory on Facebook. Where it was like, now new, improved special edition Titanic. And it has like, towards the end, it has Michael Bay and it has like everybody's exploding when they hit the water and they're jumping off the Titanic. When the Titanic breaks in half, it explodes. It's rad. But that's what we've come to now. We've come to an era of movie making where it just throw some explosions and some big spectacles. For example, case in point, Peyton needs a minute here. Um, the new Star Wars film, right? Um, everybody talks about how the new Star Wars film. Oh, some and then people are like, you know. I tell them, oh, it sucked. You know, it was one of the worst movies ever. And and then people go, but come on, that explosion of the Star Destroyer, come on, that explosion. Yeah, okay, but that didn't rescue <coughs> the movie. I'm sorry, the movie still sucked. They had a cool explosion, and okay, give you that. The spectacle was good, but the story, the characters, and the plot sucked.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean. I think another part of the problem for movie makers, when you're looking at these kind of nostalgia type films or books where they're reaching back into our childhood, millennials cannot like they share no common point. They, they don't understand that world because they're so far after it. Right. So to them, it's kind of like, eh, that's stupid. Like I was talking with Jimbo <laughs> And he goes, what was the name of that movie you wanted to see? And I go, oh, Ready Player One. And he goes, "Would well, I like it. And I go, no, for two reasons. One, you're a millennial. And two, you don't like sci-fi. So don't bother going to see that movie because you won't be able to relate to it on any level. And right. I think that's part of the problem. They can't relate to you know, a lot of the games and the stuff that's referenced in the book because they didn't live through it. Yeah. So when,
2: when Jimbo tells you that he's never seen star Wars and has no desire to, you pretty much know that's a lost cause.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's true. Except that's kind of where I find myself today. I don't care about the next star Wars movie. I don't care about Han Solo coming out. I'm like, eh, whatever. I don't care. They I mean, ruined it for me. And I was diehard, yeah. diehard star Wars. Got it ruined. Yeah.
2: I, you know, I know we talked about the popo last week and, you know, we, we we probably should keep it out of potty language again, but but I can't help it. Um, so I listened to a guy, and he was talking about Star Wars, and he was saying how Disney keeps coming out and defending their crap movie, even though it made half of what, uh, you know, uh, the, what was the name of the other one, The Force Awakens, made half of what that one made. And so... But they keep coming out saying it was a good movie, defending Ryan Johnson, standing by him, yada, yada, yada. And um, they keep blaming the fans. And they keep making these statements. or are basically saying all fans that got mad at this were just nerds who can't move on from the past. And this guy was telling this, uh, you know, it was a YouTube video. And he was saying, look, that's kind of like when you're in an elevator and someone lets one go. And you, you know who it is in the elevator. But the guy goes, no, no, it wasn't me. And you're like, no, that was totally you. Knock it off. Don't do that in an elevator. And he's like, no, no. In fact, you farted. You know, it was you. And, you know, everybody knows you made a bad movie. But you need to stop blaming the fans. It's the fans' fault that, that the movie's not. You know, the fans love the movie. You know, even, and, I, and I, know, I know you and I differ on this. I think the prequels weren't great. But, you know, they didn't betray, they may not have been great films, but they didn't, didn't betray the basic principles of Star Wars. I mean, they they was still a Star Wars. It just, other than episode three, they just were not good Star Wars films, but they were still Star Wars, you know? Right. Yep. So, anyways. Hey, should we get into our uh, our topic? I think we should. All right. Let's get down to the nitty-gritty. All right. So here's what I want to talk about today. Those of you that are raising funds and finances uh, for your church plant, you know, Pete and I have done a lot of work on this over the years. We've had podcasts that have covered aspects of fundraising. We had a great interview years ago with Vince Antonucci. And um, really, to be honest, um, you know, there's so much to mine when it comes to uh fundraising. so many I would say refer to some of our older podcasts they they're buried in there a little bit but what uh, let me just lay down the scenario I have been going back to refuge long beach now refuge long beach had a little 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 hiccup with uh the giving and um, basically what happened is the merchant account pulled out the rug from under them and uh, they they took a little bit longer to get it up and going, you know, than, than probably they needed. But when they did get their giving portal put back up, apparently something was broken and, and they didn't know. So um, anyways, when, when they had the meeting, you know, two and a half months ago, they were like, hey, um, we need to do something. You know, we need to talk to the church. We need to cut back. If there's any extra spending right now, we need to see about, you know. Moving out into uh, the park, which was kind of my suggestion, because I was like, hey, we always, you know, in the early days, we'd do that. We'd save a few months rent. Plus, we'd be, you know, utilizing public space, which is my passion. And uh, and it always worked. And we learned a lot. And we grew. And we connected with a lot of people. Uh, DJ and Jane are on our leadership team now. Uh, but they 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 came to faith through being there and walking through the park and hearing us Talk about Jesus out in public. So, you know, it's always been a good thing. And our team is super pumped to go back outside in Recreation Park. And um, and we were just tripping out yesterday how, uh, you know, basically the, the, the homeless used to be in Bixby. But there's homes all around Bixby. So they've been shooing them over to Recreation, which is where we are. And uh, they were just laughing, going, man, it's like God's bringing Bixby Park to us now, you know. And um, so, anyways, all that to say, um, we we, we kind of you know, there's a couple things that, that we decided that we needed to do to help generate some funding. And so, I just wanted to kind of back up and talk about giving and fundraising for your church plant in general. So, um, yeah, that's the topic. Cool, go for it. How do we do it? All right. So, okay. So the first thing is, um, one of the things that I did early on, and I would suggest doing this for your church plan, um, is I got a, you know, I had a uh, an email uh, list, and I had a print newsletter list. And often, you know, Pete, you and I have talked about this before that um, studies have shown that print newsletters are probably uh you know um they have their value, and email has its value so um you might you might actually be better to just kind of address why somebody might need for their church plant maybe an email newsletter to inform people you know what what's the benefits of having email over snail mail or print mail print newsletters, and vice versa
1: well email is uh, i I mean, you can do email, but it's not as good as print mail. The average person gets 147 emails a day. Think about how much mail you get in your mailbox. Seven pieces, right. five pieces, whatever. Competition is a lot less now in your mailbox. So I'd be using print mail as a, a main piece of my communication strategy. In fact, I do. Right. I send out a monthly newsletter. I mean, it's, it's that important. Email, you'd still do it. But just don't expect the results that you're going to get off of print mail,
2: yeah, absolutely and that that's kind of where um you know i if I look back over my history of giving, I would definitely say that any ministry I've been a part of has actually been carried by my um print mail print newsletters really? for sure, yeah, cool. So as you look at the, the email newsletter, for example, um, you know, if I've got, you know, uh, a video that I want to show, um, so like one of the things that I kind of shared with, uh, refuge and we're strategizing, I said, Hey, you know, if, if I were you, um, I would, I would start telling the stories that you have here in the church about people's lives and how they've changed. And so that when you guys, um, Reach out to people you know, supporters. Get people on your your email list. You can go on Facebook and put a a, a, a portal, a sign up list. We used uh, lead pages to do that, and that got people into a, a you know, drop their emails onto a list. Um, you can use your website. You can just simply go to a website and um, you can you can have a feature on your website that signs people up. Um, I don't know what you use, Pete, or what you you know suggest people use are there free ones out there that people could use, or can you just have your webmaster put that in there for a newsletter? yeah, just for any kind of email collection
1: well there's a hundred and one ways to to do it. I always use pay, don't use free, you get what you pay for, right, but have a bribe like you want their email address, so give them something for that it's what we call a premium um so in marketing we would offer you a consumer's guide the consumer's guide to selling your home if i'm a real estate agent right um with uh you know with with even some of the stuff that we do the bivo church planner manifesto right give us your email we give you this report so i would have a freebie (coughs) some sort of a hey uh if you if you give us your email address, then you get this you know report or whatever I don't, I don't know what it is, I'm just going off the top of my head, but I'd offer them some otherwise no one's going to give it to you. I mean, do they really want more spam and they know that's right. what you're going to do with it is spam them so they're not going to give it to you right
2: right well you know if you're if you're looking at a church, what would a church look like? If I were going to be calling, um, uh, you know, on people to sign up for my church newsletter, um, would I need to do that? Or would I say, Hey, you know, uh, what I email people to start off with and would I say, Hey, um, like, uh, you know, take my email list. Let's say I'm a church planner and I, I want to start an email list. Could I email people in my, in my contact list and just say, Hey, I want to send you a newsletter and, just do a one-on-one, would you would you be open to that, receiving my newsletter? Could you do that? Sure. Yeah, I mean, you would that be anything. a great way to do it, or is there a better way? This is kind of more your Offer them value. End of it. Offer them value. What would be the value that I could offer them as a church
1: Well, here's the thing to answer yourself or, or to think about. If your newsletter isn't offering them any value, why do they care about it? Why would they care about it? They wouldn't. So do I want to put someone on a newsletter list where I'm giving them no value? Why I'm wasting my time? All the way around I'm wasting my time. So you need to be providing value, something that they're going to actually care about and want. Um so here, here's here's how you could create value. I'm not saying this is the way to do it. I'm just, you know, coming up off the top of my head. Um, if I were a church planner, I would appeal to parents who want to raise their kids up in uh spiritual ways. And so I would tell them, "Hey, look, here's the reason why you want to get this newsletter. Every month I'm going to keep you up to date on what's happening in our church plant. And you can share this with your kids when you have your family time after dinner and really show them this is how God works." And this is how God reaches out, right? So now the value isn't just I've got this newsletter. The value is I'm going to help you instill in your kids a sense of, oh, this is what God does today in the world to reach the people he loves. So you tell a story in that case, right? You you would, you, would But it's got to create value. It's got to be more than just, hey, look, I, I kind of want to advertise to you. Could you please give me your info so I can puke advertising at you because that's what everybody does like literally every church every business everything is doing so come up with what's the value um Mm. years ago i had on my website uh, a a newsletter sign up and i had an insane opt-in rate and it was literally because of the headline the headline was um Something along the lines of, if you make over $100,000 a year, get this newsletter, which is going to give you marketing strategies, blah, 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 whatever, right? But it was because I made it, um, if you make over $100,000 a year, you qualify to get this newsletter. Because then, no matter what you made, you wanted that newsletter. If you made over $100,000, it was like you wanted everyone to know, I make over $100,000, therefore I should get this newsletter. If you didn't make $100,000... Then you wanted to sign up because you're like, hey, I want to know what these guys are told. It's different from me. So, like, I created a situation where they wanted what I had. But if I just said, hey, sign up for my newsletter so I can puke advertising at you, they're never going to fill it out, right? Right. Because right. there's no value to them. So, I'll always be thinking, what's the value I can create for people? Right. Right.
2: So if, if you're sending something out, let's, let's put it like this. Would an informative email that kind of tells stories about, you know, transformation or even could the value be that you're providing them an opportunity to give to mission?
1: No, no value because that's a value for you. Right. So while it is value for them, that's not what's going to inspire them. The right. fact that I get to give money to you doesn't inspire me. So, uh, but the stories, yes, but, but it's, it's gotta be like, you know, put your shoe, put, put yourself into the, to the shoes of the prospect, the person who you're trying to reach out to, what's the conversation going on in their head. They're not sitting there waking up every morning going, man, if only I could find a mission that I could give money to, right. That's, that's not the conversation going on in their head. Right. But they do have conversations like, man, you know what, um, Let's say you uh, you worked as a, a pro life church, right? You, you like targeted single moms and pregnant teens and whatever, right? Like that was your market, right? Mm. So now you got a story that you can tell people, hey, we're gonna we're gonna you know keep you informed on what's going on in this, for lack of a better term, in this market, in this niche, and that's gonna attract you certain people. Like not everyone's gonna be attracted to that. Um, right. If you serviced the the rainbow district, right. And you, you like served specifically the homosexual community, that's going to attract certain people to you. And so you, you, you need to pick what, what's my lane. What's my niche. Mm-hmm. What makes me different um, refuge, Huntington Beach or uh, Long Beach, everything they do with the homeless community, right? That becomes your banner. Hey, look, you know, it, we work specifically in this niche right here, and, and that's going to attract people to you. And you just got to figure out, okay, how do I tell this story to get them to sign up?
2: Mm, okay, so so really, in a sense, what you could do is you could, let, let's say we, you know, Refuge Long Beach sent out a newsletter this week, and it was basically, hey, you know, meet Miguel, he's part of MS-13, this and that. So, if they were doing that type of email, really what they could do is, um, they turn around and say, Hey, do you want to reach, um, people in your community that aren't being reached? So, so in, in one sense, you know, you're, 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 you're not going to hit everybody with that, but you're right away flipping it around to them. How to reach,
1: uh, yeah, gangbangers in your
2: community? Or How to reach what's
1: the gangbangers. <laughs> How to reach gangbangers. Yeah. You know? I mean, I'm serious. Yeah. Like, that's that would be one way that you would do it.
2: Right. So you turn around, and then you draw out some principles, and you say, well, let us tell you this story. Yeah. So it's not just a simple, hey, here's um, Refuge Long Beach. This is Miguel. This is what happened to Miguel. Here's his testimony. If you want to keep this kind of work going, give. Yeah. So you're, you're saying it needs to be a little bit more than that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, everything's telling a story, right?
1: People get right. excited about the story. so you know, I would tell him the story, and I didn't, I didn't read it, but you know, if let's say Miguel, you deleted it, didn't you? <laughs> because it's spam and he's asking me for money, right? No, but, yep, yep, But but yeah, you would you would go in there and start telling the story, telling Miguel's story of this this is what he did, right? This is the reason why testimonials are so popular in the Bible and in church it's because that's what people care about the stories so you would tell the testimonial you would tell the story of Miguel right and by the way if you want to to help us we want you to partner with us so we can reach more miguels right and here's how you can give to us and so yeah you're always telling a story and then you're doing the call to action but tell the so story i
2: think, I think that you know, they've got that part, right. They've, they've put a movie in there. They've got a testimony in there. Um, but probably the hook isn't enough to get people to open the newsletter. Is that what you're saying?
1: It could be. I'd, I'd yeah. actually have to go back and relook at that email. Um, yeah. yeah, it certainly could be the hook. But the other thing too, is there also has to be a consistency. Like if you just are a one hit wonder, and this is most businesses, and I'm sure it's the same way with churches, where it's like oh you know what we we're supposed to send out you know emailing our database but you know we do it like once a month hey don't expect to get anything from that you're you're right. not building a rapport and a relationship with people uh, it's one of the reasons that we actually have two emails a week and i mean if we had more we'd have more go out one comes out from you one comes out from me to our database it's meant to build a relationship with people and we're telling stories. More than anything else, we're telling stories. More than we sell them on anything, more than we ask
2: for money, we're telling stories. Right, right. OK, so um, what what would be a good value add that would get someone to open a newsletter from a church?
1: I think that's why you got to go to print, right. I mean, okay. I get that, one. That's a from, great
2: answer, actually. I, I get really one from answer.
1: my church every Saturday, reminding me that church is on Sunday. I, you, I don't you forget, get you get an email. I get an email, yeah, yeah. And I, I it's, but I mean, to me, I kind of look at it, and it's always like it's a long email, and I don't read it. And I'm sure there are people who do, but I don't. And part of it is because I'm like, yeah, I know church is tomorrow. It's it's on Sundays. That's when church is. You know, thanks for the email. Whatever, that's cool. But like, I don't read it because it doesn't it like it doesn't do it for me. But right. there are people who it is going to do it for. And that's the thing that you got to remember great marketing repels as much as it attracts. Right. You're going to repel the wrong people and you're going to attract the right people. The right people are reading that email because he does include a story with it and they're going to be like, "Yeah, cool. This is, you know, what I needed to hear and man, I can't wait for church tomorrow." <clears throat> that's great. Yeah. But where the print newsletter really helps out is, and, and you and I talked about this years ago, if you're doing a really great print newsletter, yeah, the mistake that everyone makes is they just want to tell about the successes. Hey, this month we had 32 baptisms and, you know, and 52 people came to Christ and blah, blah, blah. Great. Good stuff. Tell the story. So, I I remember you telling me one time. This is when you're over in Wales, and like you were going somewhere, and and I was, I didn't know the whole story, so I'll just make one up. I'm like, you know, tell the story about how you were driving to go speak at this church, and you get a flat tire, and your baby's crying in the back, and your wife is getting mad at you, and it starts to rain, and the mud's coming down, and you're just telling the story, right? But you, oh,
2: like, dude, <laughs> I have one of those from this week. <laughs>
1: But like, but when you start telling that story, it's like smack talk. How many times have we had people say at first, I didn't like smack talk. Now it's all I care about. It's because we're telling our stories. It's what's going on in our lives. And that's what sucks people in. And so in a newsletter, like if you were a business, I would tell you only 40% of your newsletter needs to be about your industry or business, whatever you're doing. So like, In my financial planning one, back in the day when I was regularly doing that, when I had a financial planning business, 40% of it was that. The other 60% were stories. And a lot of times they weren't even stories about me. Like in my marketing one, the number one story I ever had, and and I tell it in the first person, even though it's 100%, truly not from me. It is not my story. But, you know, it's a story of... You know, I got this taser and I'm looking at this taser and I'm I'm sitting in my recliner and I'm just kind of thinking to myself, you know, I kind of want to taser myself. I kind of want to see what this thing is like.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And then, but I'm like, do I really want to taser myself? And then the cat walks by. And, of course, I'm thinking, hey, why don't I just taser my cat? <laughs> right? right. And as the story goes on, I decide not to taser the cat. I taser myself. But what they don't tell you Is once you start tasering yourself, your muscles contract and you can't let go of the taser. That's (laughs) funny. So the next thing I know is I finally find myself somehow Arnold Schwarzenegger got into my house, grabbed me in my recliner, threw us on the ground, and then picked us up and kept throwing us down over and over again. I got drool coming out of my hat, my mouth, my hair is going crazy, my nipples are burning and on fire, and you know I'm telling this story and I cannot tell you. How many times people have said to me, that's the best story you ever told. None of it was true. And so I I actually come out in the next one and go, by the way, guys, that was a story I found on the Internet. I thought it was hilarious, and I put it in the first person. But that's what, like, gets people to to be like, dude, I want to read what's going on. So as a missionary, as a church planner, I'd be telling my stories. Like, you know, we've had church planners who are planning in areas where all of a sudden they get out there, the sending church cuts their their funding, decides not to send anyone. They're living in a trailer down by the river, right? Tell that story because that's what gets people into your world. And they're like, they, they want to read it every month when that thing comes. And then when you go, and by the way, if you want to support this ministry and what we're doing, give here. Now all of a sudden people are like, I want to give.
2: That's good, man. It'd be kind of like the day I almost quit for good. Yes. You know, um, which I tell that story all the time about the time when I planted Pillar Church in Wales and I drove home to get my notes and decide I'm not going back this morning. I know. I remember that. And they kept playing the worship going, where is he? You know, and yeah, you're right, man. People connect with that stuff big time. Yeah. Because it is human and it's let's let's face it's kind of. It's not gossipy, but it's got that little spice in it that people like that makes them read the the clickbait, you know, find out why, why so-and-so actors never worked again. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh, that's good, man. I really like that. That's fantastic. So to get people to read your newsletter, you, you got to be a little bit creative. You can't be boring. That's it. You can't be boring. Boring, boring. is the sin.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: No, that's really good. Well, you've really made me I mean, this this whole thing's gone a completely different way than how I thought it was going to go today. And to be honest, it's because you really made me think what would a value add be. So I'm already thinking, you know, hey, do you want to do you struggle to I'm already thinking about titles. You know, if I if I were to write the Refuge Long Beach one, I would put a different title on it. I think it says, welcome to the newsletter or something like that.
1: Yeah, titles are <clears throat> literally the most important part of your marketing piece. And the reason right. for that is the title is what sucks people in. So the right. purpose of the title is to get people to read the next line. The purpose right. of the next line is to get them to read the line after that and the line after right. that and the line after that. So your your headlines, your titles are the most important
2: piece. Right. Right. No, that's really good, man. And there is a science behind that. I mean, you you know, as a marketer, you have even templates. You have, you know, the scientific, um, you know, really results-based surveys, studies they've done that shows what gets people to go to the next line. Even like different parts of a newsletter that give people because it draws them in. And right. there is a science to that. Yeah, there is. So, wow, that's pretty cool, man. So a value add. You've challenged me. Unfortunately, I don't really have an answer. I've got to go <laughs> in, and process that and think about it. I thought I was supposed to have all the answers on this podcast. Yeah, but that's that's what you would do. Yeah. So, guys, as you're thinking about your – I guess there's a way to tell your story. and And marketers say this, right? They'll say – Tell the story or, you know, make your blog post not about you or make it about them. Make it about your reader. You know, that's why you see a lot of how to's. That's why you see a lot of. So if you're looking at the story of Miguel, it would be how to reach um, gangbangers in, in your in your community. All right. Because, you know, maybe you start off with something like I drive by him, you drive by him. And we think somebody ought to do something about that. But nobody does. You know, maybe you have something like that. Um I want to tell you a story when I met my first killer or something like that you know Yeah and
1: a great thing to to do too is you can start it in the middle meaning um you know like one of the best parts like of- reaching
2: the unreached when I told this story in the beginning of the Samaria chapter, Chiching about the lesbian getting saved, I, I haven't I come back. To I it. have
1: not gotten to that.
2: So. Yeah, you wouldn't know that, but it it was it was good. Trust
1: me. <laughs> Are you? It was a great one. It was probably the best
2: one ever. It was my masterpiece. I like it. But yeah, that's that's what you do. Yeah, yeah. Well, cool, man. All right. Well, you give me food for thought. I Really, to be honest, now my brain's going to be turning that over and over and over. And hey, church planner, today, if you didn't gain a skill, I think I might have. (laughs) This has been Pete Mitchell, mainly allowed to talk today and see what happens when we allow Pete Mitchell Uh, to talk. I don't know. He learns things. I don't know. (laughs) Pete's like, I did not want to talk at all today. Why did you make me talk at all? So, hey, guys, um, by the way, uh, be sure to check out Bible Inner Circle if you're like, hey, man, I don't even want to like fundraise and do all that stuff. What I want to do is I want to uh, actually earn my own crust, make my own dough, and I want to work for a living um, and plant my church, having enough time freed up. Check out Bible Inner Circle, if I can say it, BibleInnerCircle.com. Check that out. And Pete. While they're doing all that working, you know, making all that money and planting all them churches, uh, what about the, uh, you know, the admin and the the, the other stuff they got to do, the accounting? Who should do that for them? Well, they should probably
1: get you to do it for them because you're like spot on when it comes to all of the, the numbers and math stuff,
2: right? Oh, absolutely. Yes. I'm the math pastor, <laughs> but uh, sadly, it's not, I, I felt bad doing all the accounting and, irs compliance stuff. You're all, all, sadly, I'm booked. (laughs) Sadly, I'm booked, and I'm too good. I actually felt like I was making all the other church planners look bad. So I let SimplifyChurch.com do it, Pete. I like it. I like it. That way I don't look like the guy who can just do everything without even thinking about it. So SimplifyChurch.com, head on over to them, tell them Peyton and Pete sent you, and uh, they'll send me an Amazon gift card, which is great. I like that. Which you'll get, and I won't. Yeah, it's great. So, you know, um, be sure to tell them Peyton sent you. <laughs> Simplifychurch.com And uh, with that, guys, this has been the Church Planner Podcast. This has been Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones reminding you, if you want to reach ones nobody's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing.